Hello everyone and welcome to New Consciousness Review. I'm Miriam Knight and I'm delighted to launch the new year with our guest Michael Hoppe. He's a composer of exceptional melodic talent as you can tell from the music you hear in the background. And he has a distinctive and evocative style. For many years, he was a senior executive for the Polygram record label, where he signed such acts as Vangelis, Jean-Michel Jarre, and Kitaro, as well as ABBA and The Who. He quit the business of music to take up composing and has since created over 20 albums. His recordings are best described as heart music, often used for healing and meditation. His music has been featured in film and television, recorded by a variety of well-known singers and instrumentalists, and used by well-known authors like Jane Goodall and Julia Cameron to accompany their lectures and workshops. Michael C.D. Solis was featured in Clint Eastwood's documentary, Flags for Our Fathers, and was nominated for a Grammy Award. His music has received many awards, as well as gold and platinum records. Today, we are going behind the scenes of a particularly moving collaboration that he did with actor Michael York called Prayers, a Personal Selection. Michael Hoppe, welcome. Thank you, Miriam. Thank you. Well, you know, it's, it's not many people who are able to quit a business that I'm sure was giving you um, a very, very comfortable living to take up their passion. Um, in, in your case, it was composing. Was that a scary move? Um, it seemed to be, at the time, Miriam, completely natural. And looking back, it sort of was really quite normal. Um, I was with Polygram for about 15 years, and it was Vangelis, actually, who said several times, Michael, you know, I know, I feel that you're an artist, and you should really be one, and you should leave the business and really try and see if you can do your own music, as opposed to always promoting and signing everybody else's. And um, I, frankly, at that time, didn't have the courage. And uh, something happened. And it was when I was on a business trip to LA, and I went to see one of our companies, which was called Polygram Pictures at the time. And they had Flashdance, and they were working on Flashdance 2, which in the end was never made. But they needed songs. And I had a bag full of songs by the various artists I was involved with, and played them to the producer of that particular project. And just at the end of the meeting, and this is all true, just at the end of the meeting, I said, Peter, I would like you to hear one of my own songs. And he said, Michael, I don't have any time for this. We've spent enough time looking and listening to your other artists, so thank you so much. No, Peter, I insist. <laughs> I just said to you, I don't need to. Uh, Peter, please, please, I, this is a very nice piece of music I think I've done. All right, let me hear it. So I so put the, I had a Walkman in those days. This was in 1981. I put the Walkman on his um, the ears, the, 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 um, the ears, on his head, so he could actually hear <laughs> what I was playing. And uh, there was after that, he said, this is marvelous. 
I said, Peter, I know it's, well, thank you, I know it's quite good, but do you have a film? You could put it in. And he said, well, I do. You don't. I've been trying for years to do this. He said, no, I do. Call up these uh, producers of this very sad uh, Gene Hackman film called Misunderstood. They're looking for music. They've already had two composers who couldn't or didn't do the music that is to their liking. Play this theme over the phone to him. I said, play the theme over the phone? Yes. I then wound back the tape on the Walkman and squashed the headphones onto the phone. <laughs> and to the producer. And the producer said, Michael, I'm so sorry, but I can't hear it. <laughs> and I felt he was saying he didn't like it. I said, you don't like it? He said, no, I didn't say that I couldn't like it. I can't hear it. I said, I'm so sorry, I'm playing at the wrong end of the phone. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I was at, by that time, very nervous, and I sort of got the right end of the phone, played it again, one back the tape and back it. And he said, this is marvellous. Have you done films before? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yes. You have? Yes. Yes. He said, really? lying through his teeth. Absolutely. So I was, this was complete sort of the lie, and um, he said, well, we really like this theme a lot. This will fit the picture beautifully. And um, so I'll see you maybe in New York where you work, right, Michael? Yes, 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 I am. I'll take the tape, I said. And I said, no. He said, no, you will not take the tape. We'll take the tape and fly it right now to New York. I said, well, I'm going tomorrow morning. He said, no, it's got to be done now. It's that urgent. So this grubby tape of this theme that I had done several years previously was flown to New York and was put beneath a rough cut of the Gene Hackman film called Misunderstood. And I was called a few days later to come and look at the film. And I walked into this darkened room and somebody boomed out at the back of the hall of the theater. Who wrote this piece of music? And I thought, Oh, dear, oh, dear, I'm going to be sort of shown up. And I said, I did. What's your name? I said, Michael Hoppe. Well, I don't know who you are, but this is a marvellous piece of music. I said, do you really like it? He said, yes. And the producer of that film then said to me afterwards, right, Michael, you've done films before, haven't you? I said, oh, yes, yes. He said, well, well uh, go and spot it. You know what spotting means? Oh, yes, yes, spotting, yes, of course. I had no idea, maybe not <laughs> But I sort of had a, a ranger, a friend of mine, who lived in the same building in Soho in New York. And he always said, Michael, if you ever get a film, highly unlikely, but if you ever do, I would love to score it for you. Oh, right, I would say in those days. Well, it actually happened. I called up my friend. I said, you wouldn't believe it, but I've got a film, Gene Hangman, and you're using that scene that you like so much. So because of that one tune, Miriam, my whole life changed. I was told by Polygram, look, Michael, you either stay with us and be a very uh, good executive, like you have been, or you leave to do your own calling and be a composer. But you can't do both. Make up your mind. I said, right. And then I said to Monica, my wife, okay, that's it. We're leaving, and we're going to Los Angeles. And it all started because of that one tune that I played to that producer. My goodness. My whole life changed. And it really is, is to do with 
courage, I suppose, but basically it didn't feel courage. It just felt perfectly correct and natural to do so at the time. Well, one of the themes behind all of the interviews that we do is listening to that still small voice inside, listening to your instinct and following your passion. And I think that's a perfect segue into the first track on your CD that I want to play, which is called Where Am I Going? A Prayer of Trust. My Lord God, I have no idea where I am going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end. Nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I am following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does in fact please you. And I hope that I have that desire in all that I am doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, I will trust. Where am I going? That was lovely. So tell us more about this CD, Michael. How did you come to team up with Michael York? Um, Michael and I had met in L.A. and uh, we became friends. And we had first done a project called How Do I Love Thee, which was a series of uh, famous love poems, um, which he read, and I then put music beneath them. Um, the music that I put beneath was rather like a film score, I suppose. I tried to not be in the way of what the meaning of the poems are, but to try to enhance Michael's reading of them. And um, so that's what it was always uh, meant to be, as a, as a sort of type of film score approach to it. And we really enjoyed working with each other. And as a result of that, I said a few years later, Michael, why don't we do an album of prayers? Um, he said, that's a good one. That's a good idea. I'll ask my friends which prayer they would like to have included on a CD that you and I would make together. So the, most of the selection came from um, his friends writing in and uh, saying, we would love to have this prayer read by you, Michael, or whatever. Uh, and this is how the album really um, ended up, by these collection of prayers that his friends had written in and asked for him to read for them. And that's how the prayer started. And it, it's a rather poignant situation because um, this CD was made over a few years. Um, tell us about the challenges that Michael was having during that time. Well, he, um, we made this album in 2009, I think it was, and um, and that was, was fine. And um, then gradually his uh, voice began to change. And um, he was um, suffering from an illness. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was um, certainly um, playing havoc with his voice. And um, so the very instrument that he was so famous for, and so beloved really, um, was getting damaged by this illness. 
And um, so when we eventually signed the prayer project to Christian audio, they wanted some of the prayers to be changed uh, to fit more of their customer base, I suppose. And they asked Michael to read some other prayers, uh, about six of them, I think. And um, by that time, his voice was already changing. So a discerning listener will hear on this album, um, the majority of which was, is from the original, when we first recorded in 2009, that Michael's voice was changing because of this illness that he, that he has. And um, it was affecting his voice a lot. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I'm glad, very glad, and so is he, of course, that we did this album when everything was still moving right along and, and uh, he sounded great. So um, that's, you know, but his voice was changing, yeah. Hmm. Uh, and has. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it does reflect an interesting uh, combination of rather universal prayers with prayers that are more um, Christian-oriented, as, as would be expected uh, yeah. by uh, a, an album that was supported by Christian audio. Um, yeah. Understandably, I seem to be more drawn to the more universal ones. And I do want to play um, another track uh, composed by Robert Louis Stevenson called yeah. Lord, Behold Our Family. Lord, behold our family here assembled. We thank you for this place in which we dwell, for the love that unites us, for the peace accorded us this day, for the hope with which we expect the morrow, for the health, the work, the food, and the bright skies that make our lives delightful, for our friends in all parts of the earth, Amen. Yes, that was Lord Behold Our Family. So, do you have a favorite among these? Oh, um, there's a, a prayer, Miriam, which is actually a Jewish prayer, and I think it's prayer number eight. I can't for the life of me remember uh, what number it is, but it's, I mean, what the name of it is. Um, I don't have the list here in front of me, but it's a, um, I think it's track number eight, and um, it's a, a Jewish prayer. Yes, it's, it's called A Quiet Heart, and, and we will oh, be. Oh, there you are, there you are. Absolutely lovely. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I, I thought that was lovely as well. And yeah. I, I will be playing it in a moment, but let's, let's have a little more conversation first. Sure. You have the most amazing anecdotes to, to recount. Tell us more about some of the, the mischief that you and Michael York got up to. <laughs> and, uh, I, can't, I can't think of what mischief you got up to, but we enjoy each other's company um, very much. Um, I mean, how we sort of did this record and how it's done for the, for your listeners who may be interested to know. He came up from LA to Portland, where we live here in Oregon, 
and um, he brought his friend's prayers with him, and there were about hmm, maybe 80, and um, we reduced it to about 40. He read each one about twice, maybe three times, which I recorded. And um, then after that session, he went back down to LA, and I had, therefore, to choose the best versions of these two or three takes that he'd done of these 40 different prayers, and then put appropriate music beneath that prayer. And um, so it took quite, quite a long while to do this, and what I was doing with the music is trying to reflect his nuance and, and what also the meaning of the words and, uh, and how things are sort of phrased and not being in the way, but to enhance the emotion of what the, the narrative was, what the prayer it was. And, um, but that's the, <laughs> the mischief that we ever got up to. It's just that uh, we uh, really liked working together and um, I can imagine one of the great reasons why Michael has been so well-loved and, and has been so successful in what he does is because he's a wonderful fellow to work with. And um, there's no prima donna number, um, there's no agenda, and um, it uh, was an absolute, absolute delight. And he and I would, of course, do more projects together, um, but his voice has to improve. But actually, it is improving. Um, but um, when, it's, when it's just a bit better, then we'll do project, I'm sure. Actually, why don't we listen to that prayer that you were so fond of, A Quiet Heart. Holy One, give me a quiet heart and help me to hear the still, small voice that speaks within me. It calls me to come close to you and to grow in your likeness. It teaches me to do my work faithfully, even when no one's eye is upon me. It counsels me to judge others kindly and to love them freely. For it persuades me to see divinity in everyone I meet. Help me, O oh God, to come to the end of each day feeling that I used its gifts wisely and faced its trials bravely. So, Michael, tell us a bit about your background. Uh, you have a fascinating background. Your father was a famous photographer, wasn't he? Yeah, my grandfather was. Yeah, my grandfather is E.O. Hoppe, and he had a retrospective uh, at the National Portrait Gallery uh, this time last year. Um, yes, he was a very celebrated photographer in, in his time, and... Um, but I think my own father really found it very difficult to live with an artist like his father was. And so when I started in any sense to display an interest in being one myself, um, my father really had very little time for it. And he, and I always thank him for this, he really said, Michael, go into the business of the art that you love so much try and learn the business of it. So with that 
stipulation, and basically without philosophy. Um, it didn't happen straight away, obviously. But I went into the army and um, became an officer. I was quite surprised, really. The I British Army, what? presumably. The British Army, yeah. And I sort of uh, became an officer for something called the Short Service Commission. And, uh, and as a result of that, I sort of... Um, now, we weren't at war, luckily. There was no Ireland at that time. This was in 1965. Um, I had a lot of time, Miriam. A lot of time to go to the local NAFI and buy hundreds and hundreds of LPs of Deutsche Grammophon, because I was based in Germany. And at the time when you're, what, 20, 21, 22, you have all your marbles. You remember everything you've heard and all the rest of it. And I had an almost encyclopedic memory of a huge amount of classical music. And that's where my love was. However, my father thought it was a good idea if I would stay in the army. And I said to the brigadier at the end of my three years, so I think I want to stay in the army. And Miriam, sometimes you meet really an angel in all different forms. And he was one, this man, because he said, no, you don't, Michael. Oh, but, sir, I do. I want to stay in the army. No, you don't. But I do, sir. I like it here. I know that. But your heart is obviously in something which we're not involved with, namely music. Mm. I know, sir, but that's just, that's just a hobby. Michael, it may well be, but this is where you should go, and you should not ever continue trying to stay in the army. And this brigadier could see that this young man who didn't know which end was up, he changed my life by pointing me in the direction that I had thought I had no ability for, but a huge amount of love for, namely music and really classical music. And because I had listened to all these LPs, these hundreds of LPs that I bought cheaply through the army office, army shops, um, I left and had an interview with Deutsche Grammophon, the label that made all these albums. And because I had such an encyclopedic memory, I knew their catalogue almost better than the person who was interviewing me. And uh, on the basis of that, I was brought over to Hamburg, which is where the headquarters was for Deutsche Grammophon, and um, then became a management trainee. And I was working, as my father had always wanted, me to do in the business of music. And because Polygram, which owned Deutsche Gramophone, which was a label for them, said, now look, Michael, you obviously don't, you told us yourself, listen to any pop music. We make our money from pop music. We do not make it from classical music. It is the profits of the pop music that paid for largely the, the costs of making classical music. You have got to learn about pop music. So they brought me over to Hamburg, originally to work in the classical side. They then said what I've just said, and I went into the pop music side. I never went into the classical side, and the whole time I was with Polygram for about, um, what, 15 years. And I became, in the end, uh, head of A&R, which is uh, artists and repertory, signing artists to the label. And uh, some of my 
greatest friends and my my heroes were people like Van Gogh's. Um, and of course, Abba, I still think, made superb songs, which have never been better, really, for that type of uh, pop music. Mm. And um, I worked entirely in the pop division. So that's why I was involved with people like Vangelis and Jean-Michel Jean and guitar and so on. And um, that's how I got into Polygram. But it was this brigadier, this angel, really, whose name I really don't know anymore, and who I only saw once, that he set me in a direction that was incredibly right and fortuitous. And um, uh, otherwise, that... I could have stayed in the army. Yeah. <laughs> and the whole, the whole thing would have been different. So, Miriam, I'm very, very aware of, um, of, of things that happen. Mm. And uh, I'm very, I have my pulse pretty near the ground, if that's not mixing a metaphor. I mean, I really know sort of what's going on. I'm an impossible dreamer most of the time. But there are various incidences that have happened in my life which have guided me incredibly, especially when I'm now looking back on these things. I didn't know it at the time, necessarily. Well, I, I think that's so true of all of us that uh, it's really only in retrospect that we see these kind of seminal moments that have somehow moved us onto our path. Yes, absolutely. So that's what, what, so that's what I um, do. I follow my instincts. And I, by the way, Miriam, um, I'm totally self-taught. My sight reading is very bad. If you put a piece of music up in front of me, come on, Michael, start playing this. All fingers and thumbs. Huh. Um, so, so I had to overcome this, but I really know, obviously, what I'm doing in, in the scope of the music that I do. And um, but doing and learning the business of what I do has been extremely important. As well. mm -hmm. So I thank my father always for that. Mm -hmm. Well, why don't we hear one more track? Um, how about, you said that you really liked Prop Me Up by John Streetman. Yeah, I, I like, um, obviously, the words, but I like how Michael reads it very well. And um, actually, I like the music that I did for it. So it's a combination of all three. That's why I like that particular prayer. Very good. Let's listen to it now. Prop me up, oh Lord in all my leaning places. Open my eyes that I may see the sun. Teach me how, O oh Lord, to fill my empty spaces by reaching out before this day is done. Lift me high, O oh Lord, and maybe in the lifting I will learn how to lift my fellow man. Prop me up. Very, very lovely. So, Michael, tell me, with all of these Hollywood personalities and, and world music personalities, I'll bet you have 
some very amusing stories. Can you think of an anecdote that you'd like to share with us? Um, well, there are some, yes. But, but I, what I would like to do, if I may, is um, give you another story of how something has fallen into place because of doing something one loves greatly. So I know I'm not telling you an anecdote about any personality, I might admit. I, I, I'm sure I, I have them, but I can't think of them. But I think this story perhaps is more interesting than that. Um, because of the music that I put out, and I, it's amazing to think that you just do it in your living room, you record it, and then it goes out to the wide world from just something that was a wisp of an idea, then you got somebody to come and play it, we then made it into a CD eventually, and uh, so all comes starts with the germ of an idea, and and this this music, how much it has affected people, and um, I have been oblivious of this for quite a long time, and but sometimes I'm reminded in an stunning way, and uh, it was with this album called Solace which was eventually nominated for a Grammy, as you said. Um, it all started because of a fan who I'd never met in Florida who called me up and said, I, Michael, your music has meant a great deal for me. And I said, thank you so much. He said, I would, um, I would like very much to um, help you. I said, no, well, no, no, I'm, I'm okay, man, thank you. No, I do it all myself. He said, no, no, I, I want to help you. I said, I, I, I said, I know, I just heard you what you said, you want to help me, but I, I really, I record my own music. He said, look, Michael, I want to give you money. <laughs> you want to give me money? Why? Because your music has, has meant so much to me. Oh. He said, has there, has there never been, he said, has there never been something you wanted to do but you couldn't afford to do? I said, what's your name again? He told me, and I said, Brian, um, you want pain? I mean, do you want to make a business deal with me or something? He said, no, no, this is a gift. A pure gift, one way. Your music has meant that much to me. I said, this is extraordinary. He said, well, your music is. So what do you want to do? I said, well, I really would like to sort of, um, I've always wanted to record some of my pieces with a full orchestra. And that's quite expensive. He said, well, he said, tell me the budget and I'll uh, send you the check. Really? Yes. So as a result of this, Miriam, I sort of uh, put the phone down, and you wouldn't believe, and this is absolutely true, the next day a postcard came through the mail saying there was this studio in L.A., where we were living at the time, that had a direct contact with orchestras in Prague. And you could record a 75-piece orchestra at one quarter the cost of, let's say, using the Air Philharmonic. And they're a marvelous orchestra. And this service is now available to you as a composer. So this is just as a postcard, as a promotion postcard. Hmm. One day after I spoke to my friend in Florida, he wasn't a friend then, and he was a fan, but he became a friend, obviously. Mm -hmm. So I said to 
But I looked, and I just got the thought, let's talk straight, can this is the budget. He said, send it to me, I did. Well, Marion, he sent me the cheque. It was, it was uh, along with a beautiful crystal rock. And this cheque covered the entire cost for doing these four pieces of orchestral music, which I recorded live over the internet with Prague. They could see me on a huge screen. I could see them on my screen here. And I could talk to the conductor and say, would you mind lowering the brass or increasing this or doing that? And these four recordings were paid for by this fan in Florida, who I had never met, purely because of the music that I had done before. And this album, which these orchestral pieces became part of, went on to get a Grammy nomination. How extraordinary. This, 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 this is all to do with the power of music, the power of intent, and uh, of not wavering. And uh, if you have an, uh, more than just a vague element of truth in what you're trying to do, then people will respond to it greatly. And uh, my now friend in Florida um, provided this. And this has happened to me again, by the way, with something else. So it's um, so anybody who's listening to this, if you're an artist, it really, it really means something to do what you're doing. It has an effect upon other people, obviously, and it is quite miraculous, miraculous and incredible. What a marvelous story, Michael. And, yeah. and thank you. Yes, indeed, this, this message, I think, will find fertile ground among our audience. Mm -hmm. Let's listen to another track. I thought this was particularly lovely because I am a graduate of University of Virginia, and this one was composed by Thomas Jefferson. It's called A Prayer for the Nation, and I think at this time when we're going through really some very difficult experiences for us as a nation, I think it's particularly apt. A Prayer for the Nation. us this good land for our heritage. We humbly ask you that we may always prove ourselves a people mindful of your favor and glad to do your will. Bless our land with honorable endeavor, sound learning, and pure manners. Save us from violence, discord, and confusion, from pride and arrogance, and from every evil way. Defend our liberties and fashion into one united people the multitude brought here out of many nations and tongues. Endow with the spirit of wisdom those to whom in your name we entrust the authority of government, that there may be justice and peace at home, and that through obedience to your law we may show forth your praise among the nations on earth. In time of prosperity, fill our hearts with thankfulness, and in the day of trouble, 
do not allow our trust in you to fail. We ask this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Michael, you were you were talking about this amazing technical feat of recording a piece of music via the internet with an orchestra in Prague. How was that enabled? It certainly wasn't via Skype. No, it was not. It was like sort of video conferencing, um, and uh, but the all the information was on the internet and, and sent over in files. How it was, how it happened, um, it's called orchestra.net, the organization that puts it together. And um, you book the orchestra, depending on how many pieces you wish, you know, 40, 75 members, or whatever, or even larger, for a three-hour session. And um, the sheet music is sent over as PDF files from where I was at the time, LA, and I've done since another one of those from here in Portland. And you send the PDF files of the sheet music to Prague. It is then photocopied and printed out for the violin section, the cellos, and all, all the rest of it. And um, they play in a three hour session normally two pieces. Two pieces are about four minutes long. And they play, play each piece. The first of all, they play it very slowly to make sure they know what what the lines are. And they do, I think, there's three more complete versions of that same tune, which they send back to the studio in LA for him to mix. Mm-hmm. So we had three sessions, three recordings of the same piece of music. Um, that was then sent back to LA and mixed. And sometimes it was you take one part, one take, and another part, another. But the um, quality of the musicianship is fantastic. I mean, there, there, I think there are five pickup orchestras in Prague, and um, so they are basically this is a you know top end um, session players who come in for that gig, and you quite you don't always know you're going to get the superlative service. But you, I lucked out twice, I think, uh, by having very, very good players. And um, the, it resulted in four pieces that we used on solace, um, four orchestral pieces. Yeah, um, that's how it's done. So the PDF files, the, the music is arranged here. And this was arranged by a marvelous fellow called Richard Gronskill, who put all the music uh, together. And he and I worked on that, and then it was sent over, as I say, as PDF files, and then recorded that way I've just described. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's wonderful. I mean, it's a sort of, it's, it's, I believe it's, I think that I'm right with that, it's a, about a quarter the cost of, of recording um, an orchestra, let's say here, the Oregon Symphony or the LA Philharmonic, which of course are involved with music unions and things like this, so that's why it's also um, quite expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you, but you will see on all sorts of recordings, um, I, I mean, Sarah Brighton, I remember, she has used an orchestral backing on some of her tracks, um, also from Prague. Mm-hmm. It's because of the good music, marvelous musicianship of the... 
Well, you know, with, with the current uh, debate about the economy, one, one is a bit conflicted about outsourcing in general. But yeah. the other side of that coin is how marvelous it is to pull the world, to, to have the world at your reach, you know, and oh, yeah. to be able to, uh, I, I remember yeah. there was, there was a, a CD that I heard, uh, also a music video, of somebody who went around the world recording the same song all over the right. world and mixing it back together. It was a marvelous thing. I can't remember the name of the group at the moment. Yeah, there was, um, yeah, there was a, a choral fellow called Eric Whitaker, and he, he did that, I think, started on that on YouTube. Then all these singers from around the world would sing uh, what he wanted them to, to do. And, um, yeah, it's, the internet, I mean, it's, of course, lacerated the music business in, in no uncertain terms. Um, and, of course, the, the revenue has been decimated in all sorts of levels because of the internet. However, the positive side of the internet, and one of the examples is what I just mentioned, mm -hmm. to record this orchestra, etc., uh, because of this technology. Well, I'm so glad that that uh, brigadier set you on the right path. I think uh, we're yeah. all the richer for it, Michael. We're going to close in a moment with one track that was actually left out, left off of your original compilation. Tell us a bit about it. It's called God of Truth and Beauty. Do you recall um, it? Yes, I, I record, I, I know the prayer. Um, it was um, recorded in the first session with Michael, and because on this occasion I wanted to place the album, Prayers, with a label that had a customer base that would be appreciative of the type of uh, album that it is. Mm -hmm. They asked uh, us to change some of the prayers, as I think I said earlier, and one of the prayers they wanted me to leave off was this one. Um, but I think it was a shame, but um, I will use it in some other way, um, but that's why I, I sent it to you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is the world premiere <laughs> God of Truth <laughs> and Beauty. Yeah. Uh, Michael, um, I want to thank you so much for being with us today and, and for really launching us into the year with the beauty of your compositions and also the beauty of Michael York's words. So thank you for being with us, and we're going to close with God of Truth and Beauty. Open my eyes, O oh God, to behold true beauty, divine beauty, pure and unalloyed, not clogged with the pollution of mortality, and the vanities of human life. So beholding beauty with the eyes of the mind, I shall be enabled to bring forth not images of beauty, but realities. And nourishing true virtue may become thy friend and attain to immortality. O oh God of truth and beauty, what a beautiful sentiment to usher in the new year, which I hope will be a time of awakening 
and coming together for the whole planet. Please join us next week when our guest will be Marianne Williamson talking about her new book, The Law of Divine Compensation on Work, Money, and Miracles. We've got some exciting surprises in store for you coming up on NCR Radio in the new year, but you're going to have to tune in to find out. And to find out more about our authors, buy their books, and find hundreds more books, films, interviews, and reviews, you can visit our website at ncreview.com. We're going to close the show with the lovely instrumental postlude from Prayers, a personal selection by Michael York and Michael Hoppe. Thank you all for listening and have a wonderful new year. May it bring you all you desire, or at least all you need, for health, happiness, and success in all your endeavors. Until next week, I'm Miriam Knight for New Consciousness Review. Goodbye and God bless.